This week, I go on a French ghost tour done in English, and then the robust experience at a Wolf Island haunt, and some updates from the walks. Now, the reason I didn't do a show last week was because I got a vacation. It's always the the best time of year to go away is after the busy summer season, and just the start of the fall is usually quiet enough that I can actually take off for a bit. And uh, we went to Quebec, so we started out in Kingston, which reminded me of Wolf Island and my experience. I didn't actually go to the house where this happened. I didn't go to Wolf Island, but I did a tour of the Thousand Islands, which was absolutely wonderful. So scenic and beautiful, and the the history, the shipwrecks, uh, very cool. But it did remind me of what happened on Wolf Island, so I'll talk a bit about that. And then we ended up in Quebec City. Now, it was my first time there. I've been to Montreal a few times, and I love old Montreal. Just amazing, the history. Uh, So I really wanted to see Quebec City because I knew that it was older even than Montreal. That this is kind of like where, in a way, if you think about it, this is where our version of Canada began because Quebec City is much older than the area around uh, Hamilton and Niagara and Toronto, which was founded by Loyalists. So Loyalists didn't come over until the American Revolution, escaping from the United States. They were given free land in British Upper Canada, and all starting from Niagara, making Niagara on the lake uh, one of the oldest towns in British Canada. And then they just spanned out from there. So Hamilton, of course, is made up of old loyalist towns like Dundas and Ancaster and Flamborough. Um, And there's one I'm probably missing. Uh, It's made of Stony Creek, of course, Stony Creek. How could I forget that? Uh, Made up these old loyalist towns and then just spanned out from there. But Quebec came first. So I got to hear the story of Samuel de Champlain. Uh, who founded the town that, you know, Quebec, I, I always thought Quebec was a French word. I, I can't believe that got past me, but it's actually a native word that stands for the Narrows because it's when the St. Lawrence River comes at its most narrow point, which was the reason they chose that spot. So it could be easily defended. And not just with that history, they're going back to the 1600s for this, but also they put the original town up on a, on a hill uh, kind of like Hamilton Escarpment, um, maybe not as high, but it had also the original walls, and they kept those. M- much of those walls that surround the city are kept. So it was just history second to none. I will not want to go back <laughs> for the for the stairs. Oh my goodness! You know how you go on vacation, you usually gain weight. I think uh, my wife and I we lost weight. <laughs> Because we were just up and downstairs the entire trip. And then uh, going on the ghost tour, there was more stairs. Uh, stairs and also hills <laughs> to walk up. For some reason, it just kept going up. I don't remember ever going down. It just went up, 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 up. And somehow we ended up at the bottom. I'm not sure how that works. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, having it up on the hill made it interesting. Especially on days when I, I felt tired. A little uh, little lagging and still having to climb the stairs. But, I mean, what was on the top was totally worth it. I love the feel of it, love the history of it. And um, the restaurants, not so much. 
I uh, had high hopes because, you know, French cuisine is supposed to be amazing. And I mean, this should be the pinnacle for Canada for that. And, you know, poutine and, and all that stuff. But I was quite disappointed. I mean, you can get decent poutine even in Hamilton in Toronto. And that is comparable. And uh, maybe I just went to the wrong places. I got sick a couple times from the food. I just, yeah, it didn't sit with me. And they were charging insane amounts of money for for one meal. I don't know if this has become the norm, but we were paying like, you know, $20, $30 just for a meal. And it's not like it's a fancy place. It was just very like laid back atmosphere. So I'm not sure what was going on there. Maybe because you're up on the hill, they know you're, you're going to be too lazy to walk down and up again. So they, they're like, we got you trapped. You know, you have to eat here. But um, yeah, so the history, I did multiple walking tours. I actually did an audio tour. And um, that's how I learned about Champlain. A couple of interesting facts about him. The face that they use for him, which is kind of iconic, is not him. This this uh, blew my mind. Uh, they didn't know what he looked like. So they took the face. You, you're going to think they took the face of a French guy. They didn't. They took the face of an Italian guy. So it was an Italian merchant that they just kind of took his lightness and applied it to Champlain. So that iconic face, if you look it up, you might recognize, is not his. And the other side of it was that we they don't know where he's buried. That one uh, was interesting. Uh, the audio tour took me to a site, and there's um, buildings, like business buildings. But they said, uh, and there's a plaque there that said there was the original church of Quebec City uh, sat on that spot, uh, now gone. But it, they believe that Champlain was buried under the church. But they looked, they looked, but they couldn't find him. So this, to this day, his body's gone. His face, nobody knows what it is, yet for some reason they still were able to get this likeness of an Italian fellow, uh, stick it on a statue, and say this is the guy who founded our, our city. So good trip overall. Not much uh, into the driving. <laughs> the, not so much the driving there. It is a nine-hour drive, eight, nine-hour drive from Hamilton to Quebec City. And uh, that was fine. That's pretty laid back. But once you get into Quebec, uh, I liken it to more the American style. If you've been down to the States and driven on their interstate system, and when you're going through larger cities, which Quebec isn't that large, it's only about 800,000, which it comes to city size, that's just above midsize. And for some reason, it's set up like a massive city, like parking is very difficult and their um, traffic system is very confusing. And I don't know if, if you know what I mean by this. Montreal is the same way. So people are a little overly aggressive. Like not like Toronto level aggression on one hand, but to the point where they're running red lights. <laughs> and it's um, a little, you have to get used to it a bit. I know Montreal was worse, but the way the streets are set up, for an outsider such as myself going there for the first time, it is not easy. Uh, so I had to get used to that. Didn't like, like that at all. Uh, but, you know, you have to drive around. It's the only way to get, like, from where we were staying. to. The, I mean, I guess could have stayed in Old Quebec if I wanted to pay the massive amounts of money. But I'm an Airbnb person all the way. And uh, we found this nice little apartment. Maybe tw- a 20-minute, 30-minute walk from old Quebec, so we were driving in and out, which wasn't too, too bad. But 
one of the main reasons why I wanted to go was to go on their ghost tour. Because over the years, leading the Niagara on the Lake tour, I do get to meet a lot of tourists, not from our region. And I'll ask them, or they'll just tell me outright, what were your favorite ghost tours that you've ever been on? And they would mention three. So the first one was the Jack the Ripper tour in London. The second one I hear the most about is the underground city in Edinburgh, Scotland. And the third one was this one, Quebec City. So I was just over the moon excited. And uh, we get to the night. I'm um, there and um, we we had to find them first. (laughs) It just wasn't too bad. It was just down the street. And we meet our guide. His name is Dennis. He's French, got the French accent. But of course, the tour is being done in English. I do not speak French, just my grade nine, my grade nine class knowledge. And we start the tour. So it's at the bottom of the hill. And then we start going through. And I'm not going to give you the entire tour. But uh, the highlights that I'll, I remember off the top of my head, and this is how I know I've been on a good walk. Because I'm, I'm kind of jaded coming from the fact that I've been a ghost guide for so many years that I look for certain things. And I was actually, I don't know, my wife was probably getting frustrated with me, but I kept whispering to her, oh, this is what I would change. (laughs) Here, the the story uh, was too drawn out. I would tighten that up there. And, uh, oh, I think the the visual of this location would be better in that spot. (laughs) Just stupid things like that. But, um, you know, it made me happy. So we're going through the tour, and I I value what I remember. So what sticks after the tour is done, and that's how I know that it was a good tour. So if I don't remember anything, and I actually found myself bored during it, then I realize it wasn't a good tour. But the Quebec City one was a good tour, a very good tour. And I was happy to have our guy, Dennis. He did a wonderful job. Um, I don't remember all the stories, so some of them kind of didn't really stick, but there is a lot of standouts because they did something that a lot of tours fail to do. They focus on actual storytelling and not just spewing out facts. This is my huge pet peeve. Talked about it many times. Don't spew out facts. You got you got to create these stories that are going to be memorable that I can relate to, you know, like, um, with human drama and um, human tragedy, et cetera, et cetera. So the ones that stood out, I know there was um, a great one. Now, Quebec City had a lot of executions, strangely enough, because in the time that the British were there, a lot of them happened because that's what the British were known for. Um, and one of them was during a time that after the British had come in and taken over, they made it to Lower Canada that um, they were paranoid there was uh, French citizens and outsiders that were trying to plot against them to get them out. So they put out this thing, which, I mean, right from the beginning, you're going to say, why? (laughs) You know, why would they do this? That if you know of any plots that are happening, that you need to let us know so that we can weed these out. And if you let us know... We'll give you a whole whack of money. So they're like, okay, you're saying this to a town that has a lot of poor people in it. And they're going to see this opportunity to make free money. Did you not think they were going to lie? I mean, come on. 
It's like, it's so obvious today, but and maybe back then the paranoia, they just like, eh, whatever, who cares? So they had this conspiracy against a uh, lumber. I think he was a lumber salesman from the United States. I forget his name, but he had come to Quebec to sell lumber and they had kind of said, no, I saw that guy. He was out in the woods and he was conspiring with other military people that are going to overthrow the, the British so they go and arrest this guy and he's like what are you talking about <laughs> I I had no dealings with this I I just I'm just here to sell lumber and they didn't believe him I mean it's so he was American so maybe that was the reason why because they had just you know with the 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 revolution that happened at that point so having an American come in they thought maybe this was revenge for America <laughs> I don't know, but uh, they like accuse him and he's like, no, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. They didn't believe him. So it gets to the point that he's going to be executed and he was, but he didn't just like execute him in the normal way. They did the old uh, draw in and quartered execution, kind of like at the end of Braveheart or what I talk about from the bloody assizes at the Hermitage and Dark Trolley Tours. They did that full thing. So we sat in the spot where all this happened. It wasn't like the town square. It was uh, where the Museum of Civilization is today. And the story of just this poor fellow, and he gets executed, and then afterwards, I forget how many years afterwards, they're like, hey, maybe we should look into this a little bit more. So they killed him first and then did the investigation. So they go down to the United States. This is actually things are a bit calmer between Canada and the U.S., and they ask, well, is this guy a militant in any way? And the United States, no, no, he was just a lumber salesman. No, just selling wood. That's basically it. So like, whoops, our bad. So it just it stuck with me, the ridiculousness of it. And the other one that stuck with me is one that I actually had a nightmare about. <laughs> That's it. If you can give me a nightmare from a ghost story, then you've done your job. Um, but this is a very interesting story. So this woman named Mary, uh, I don't remember her last name, but, um, so the story around her was this she's supposed witch. So they, um, let me remember this. So her, her husband was murdered and, uh, she came forward and said that it was her father who did it. So her father was arrested and put in jail, and then he was going to be executed. I think he was. But he then confesses to a priest while he's in jail that he didn't do it, and that he thinks that his daughter did it. So as time goes on, uh, this woman's uh, first husband died. That's what her father was executed for. And then her second husband also dies of similar circumstances. So now they're going to look at her, and they look back at the old man's um, confession as well. And now they are pointing the finger. So this woman um, killed two of her husbands. And she also did things with uh, spells. Now you might say that's more like wellness today. But back then it would be considered witchcraft. So they end up uh, arresting her. They put her on trial. She's found guilty. They execute her. But it doesn't end there. Because the execution was very quick. They said the townspeople were actually disappointed in that. They just hanged her. And then afterwards, to um, to add insult to injury, they, they displayed her body in a suburb town of Quebec. 
And what they did is they, they hung her in a body cage. So it's this cage that, you know, you could see her body through the bars, but she's just basically suspended in midair and they let her sit there and rot. Now, this is disgusting in one sense, but it's also terrifying in another because of the fact that people would be hearing things. They hear the, the chains rattling as on the cage. They would hear a woman screaming uh, from this body that's hanging over the town. It was something about that imagery. I mean, just imagine, you know, quiet town at night, no electronic lights, it's dark, and the shadow of this dead woman hanging in midair. And then this the stories of screaming and rattling chains. It just, I don't know, dude, it's, it just stuck with me. So I ended up having a, um, a nightmare that same night of this woman coming to me saying that she was Mary and, you know, screaming at me and just overall terrifying me. It wasn't really that bad of a nightmare, but the, uh, the situation with her and the story around it just, just stuck with me. And then the, the pinnacle of the tour was the end. This was amazing. I don't get, I don't see this on many tours. It's a very hard thing to execute, uh, pun intended, but they, uh, they, they, they take you into a church, not just any church. It's like the, I believe it was one of the oldest churches still standing in Quebec city and they take you into the pitch darkness of this church. They sit you in the pews and they tell you the story of the woman who haunts it. And it was just the feel of it. Dennis um, creating this tension. Nothing actually happened, spoiler. But uh, he created a tension by just like stopping his story at one point. It's almost like he heard something, so he looks in the corner and then comes back and continues. But he stopped the story at the right times. You know, he was obviously a good storyteller. He didn't interrupt anything important and just set the mood. And this, the, the stories in there, the supposed woman that haunts it was really good. I did expect something. I thought maybe they'd have like a woman standing on the balcony, but nothing, nothing happened. So it didn't matter, though. I mean, the experience was just wonderful. So after that, the tour is done. We're standing outside. I think it's about an hour and a half. And I had no idea how to get back. I didn't, I had my, my phone was dead. I didn't want to, you know, try and wander my baby back. So I go up to Dennis. I'm like, hey, uh, can we just follow you? And he was like, yeah, no problem. So we walk back with him and I get to talking back and forth. He's a musician. So he's used to being in front of crowds. Uh, musicians are good as guides. Teachers are also good. Uh, we I actually have a stand-up comedian who does the tours at Sir Bob in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Uh, so I got talking. I told him who I was. I said, yeah, I lead the tours in Niagara and Hamilton. We're just going back and forth about, you know, what it's like to lead the tours and talking. It's just you know, very lead back conversation. And it was actually very enjoyable. One of my most enjoyable parts of the trip overall was just being able to chat with this fellow and, and, and talk. Um, so until we get back and then he's goodbye and we're done. So overall, the trip was mediocre. But these elements, the tours, the history of the town uh, really did capture me. Would I go back to Quebec City? Probably not. I didn't, uh, didn't like it that much. I, I like Montreal more. No offense to anybody who's pro-Quebec City over Montreal, but uh, not, uh, not my cup of, uh, cup of uh, coffee, which on this other side note, couldn't find a cup of coffee that saved my life. Everyone that I tried was, was okay to terrible, and I was surprised about that too, but this isn't a gossip sesh. 
I always uh, like to to warn you when those happen. So actually, I, I didn't realize I'd be talking about Quebec this long. Uh, I'm going to start on the Wolf Island stuff, but I think I'll do a part two on it just so that we're not going on forever here. So we did stop in Kingston. I got to do the Kingston Pen Tour, which was another reason why I, I wanted to go on this trip. Great, great tour. Um, a little bit technical at times where they're just giving you facts but the best feature of that tour was that they had former guards and former employees of the penitentiary and they would tell you stories of what they went through uh, such as um, there was a couple of riots that happened and the stories were just like captivating so and the fact that it's coming from the person who experienced it and was actually there that's very cool so those parts were amazing. The other parts were just straight out facts. They don't talk about any inmates specifically. In fact, if I they didn't really give a lot of names. The the ones I expected were like Paul Bernardo. They they don't talk about him and Evelyn Dick from the Hamilton point of view. They don't talk about her. So I was a little disappointed with that, but they said they don't really have permission from the families of the victims and whatnot. So I can understand that too. But just being able to go in and see the place was quite interesting. But when we were in Co in Kingston, it reminded me of a previous experience I had. This was on Wolf Island. So Wolf Island is the largest of the Thousand Islands. You might have heard of it before, if only for the fact that Don Cherry used to live there. <laughs> so that was his... Uh, his relaxing home was on Wolf Island. So you need to take a ferry. It's not really long of a ferry ride, maybe 10 minutes or so. And when you're there, um, it's actually quite large. You could drive around. There's abandoned houses to go explore. The rules don't really apply fully on the island. They don't really monitor it that closely, which factors into some of the history where, you know, people just do the most dangerous things there and there wasn't really anyone to stop them. Uh, I think they had a sheriff, but he didn't really care. So the history of the island and um, the feel of it is quite unique. And if you're going during a summer summer season, it's really not that bad. But try going during the winter. And that's when my experience happens. So basically, you get to the island, you get off the ferry, and just, I believe, to the right is their main church. And beside it is the rectory. So this is where the priest lives. Beautiful house. Massive house. Um, so if you look up Wolf Island Inn, I don't know if they're still running it as an inn. That's what it was back then. And uh, you can stay overnight, or used to be able to. So this massive, beautiful house where the priest lived, uh, we would stay there. This was years and years ago with my ex. And we were staying overnight. So it's a winter scene. It had snowed all day. And when we get to the nighttime, it's like those types of situations where we barely got in. So at this point, with the ice and with the snow, we're trapped. Like until the snow melts away and the ice melts away a bit, there's no way we're really getting back out. I didn't have snow tires on my car for some strange reason. And I, that feeling of trap was right there. So it's just us. We're, we're the only ones staying. There's just us and the couple who runs the place. And we're set for the night. So right from the beginning, we're already tense. And it didn't help the fact that I had a dream. 
Now, this will happen sometimes. Before investigations, I will have um, something that comes out, reaches out and visits. And uh, that's what I guess you could say happened here. It wasn't really a specific ghost, but it presented me with an extremely violent scene. So I, I see the side porch in the dream. And um, a violent scene is happening on it. But I know in the back of my mind that this is supposedly Wolf Manor, the, the inn on Wolf Island. And I'm watching this scene of two people being skinned alive. I'm not going to go into detail, but just note that my dream was detailed. And the whole time I was just freaked the heck out, as you would expect. And I wake up. So I remember it vividly which is strange for me because no matter how vivid my dreams are, I'll usually forget them soon after. But now sitting here talking to you right now, at least 15 years later, I still remember it, which is that's, that's the strangest part. So that's in the back of my mind when we go to this house and the owners, a nice couple, they're taking us on a tour of it and we get to the back just off of the kitchen and I notice there's a door and I'm like, um, where does that door lead? Like, that's the side porch. I was like, oh, crap. So I was like, can I, can I go have a look? <laughs> and I did. So I go walk out. I walk down the stairs, and I stand there, and I look at it. And guess what? It looks just like the side porch in my dream. Now, I'm, I'm, there was no pictures online of the side porch of this house, just the front of the house. I had never seen this side porch ever in my life. And I'm sitting there staring at it. I'm like, that is it. That is the one that was from my dream. So then that freaks me out even more because I'm like, this isn't, um, you know, this, how can I see this porch without knowing it ever existed, you know, unless there was some realism to that dream I was happening. So, of course, I didn't ask the owners, was anybody skinned alive? Because my, my answer, their answer would either be, you know, no, that's not part of the history or please get out. We don't like you here anymore. <laughs> so I said nothing, but um, just kept that in my head. And we've continued the tour and just the stories the priests that lived there, uh, one of the priests went insane and he didn't want to come back outside. So he barricaded himself in the house, uh, boarded up the windows from the inside so nobody could get in. So what happened to him, you know, what caused him to go that crazy? And then in the basement, I mean, there was rooms where they would, um, you know, take, uh, I think they took children down to discipline. So you have ghosts of priests, ghosts of nuns in this house, and they just had that feel. So setting up for an interesting night, I mean, as investigations go, this one is at the top of the list. So I'm already tense, but it had been a long day. We had done a bunch of hiking. I was, um, I was very tired. So the minute my head hit the pillow, um, I was asleep. Now, in the room we're in, there's the bed, and then uh, it's a large open space, and for some reason, there's no doors or walls for the bathroom, which is just disgusting in my sense, but that's just me. We may do. Uh, so you have this massive room, and in the middle was this fireplace with the chimney completely exposed, which was cool, and uh, had left a fire going in the fireplace with one of those chemical logs. Now, these are chemical logs. These are set to go for a certain amount of hours. And it had just started when I went to sleep. And it wasn't an hour later that I woke up. 
And uh, my ex was actually shaking me and said, hey, hey, the fire's out. So I, I look up and the, the room's completely dark. So I look over to the fireplace, the fire's out, it's cold in the room. And the other thing was we had left the light on and that was off too. So it's pitch dark, it fires out, lights off, and no idea how this happened. That fire should have gone for a few more hours on top of it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just very tired, very long day. So I'm just like, just let's try and go back to sleep. And I, I put my head down. And before I had, I had turned the dimmer switch on the light beside me. So it's one of those uh, stand-up lights that had a dimmer switch. And I turned it all the way up so the light was on. And I was, uh, my head against the pillow, I was looking towards the dimmer switch as I was about to go to sleep. And as I'm closing my eyes, I see it. Right in front of my face, the dimmer switch starts turning by itself, it, turning the opposite direction. The light dims down and it's dark again. <laughs> so, needless to say, it took a very long time to get to sleep after that. <laughs> that uh, most of the night was basically just uh, staying up and, and talking. And uh, eventually we did fall asleep and got a decent night's sleep. And yes, good news was the next morning, the sun had come out and melted enough of the ice that we could take off and we're not trapped there for, for eternity. So, uh, good, good experience, very energetic experience. And one I will never forget right down to that very violent dream, which by the way, we never found any information to support that. And I, I did this article, posted it on the, um, the site at the time. And this is uh, where the article kind of gets famous. So not us. We didn't even get a mention. <laughs> it's kind of weird, too, because we, we had met the producer of the show. But if anybody remembers the show Rescue Medium, this is uh, those, those British uh, psychics who would go around investigating places. Very popular at the time. And they did Wolf Manor. So we're like, wow, they did Wolf Manor. That's very cool. And I think there was a mention by the producer that they were going to feature something of ours in it. So we watched the episode, and I'm waiting for, like, they're going to be like, oh, this uh, group, they um, did this article, they did this investigation, the group is such and such, you know, it'd be like a plug or something. No, no, they were actually just reading the, the page. They had gone to the website, and you can see the website. It is my article and the website design around it. Uh, but they didn't even mention it, which was... Uh, kind of a diss but you know i wasn't i wasn't angry about it i was just happy to see that they were covering the place and interested to see what they would find but the article the article on the website um was made famous on rescue mediums <laughs> not us just the article which yeah kind of disappointing but i'd let it go i'm good uh finally i just wanted to mention a couple of quick things uh, about the walk, uh, we've had a lot of activity at the Victorian House in Niagara on the Lake, and um, not just ghostly, but also they're they're doing something to finally fix it up. So I'm interested to see what happens there. You know, um, whether they do an inn or a bed and breakfast, I wouldn't think they're going to do a residential home. It is a massive space, so and it's near the business district, so I think they would take advantage of that. But who knows? So the Victorian house in Niagara and the lake, something could happen there. And I guess because they're in there doing renovations, it's stirring stuff up. So we're getting a lot of images with things in it. 
and the camera malfunctions are happening more often. Uh, so that's interesting. And the other thing I want to mention is the downtown Hamilton tours. I've been promising this for a bit. Uh, Thursday. I'm just looking at one final thing uh, that might change with the downtown Hamilton tour. But Thursday should be the day that the dates go up for October. So I will have downtown Hamilton tours going every single week in October. Um what happens on the tour is what's currently up in the air. Uh, don't worry, it is a good update if something does change with it. But either way, by Thursday this week, they will be up for booking. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll talk to you next week.